0: For Company by Jane Barlow Larry Behan, stepping over from Moor to Clochran Beg, a few perches short of the Silver Lane, met with Joe Hedekin, leading his sorrel mare, and said to him, What it all ails you? Is it what ails us, said Joe? Sure, what else, said Larry? and the mare in a lather and a thrimble, and yourself coming along as unstudy a thing in your wires, looking fit to drop down of a heap together the two of yous are. And why wouldn't we have a right to be? said Joe. And ourselves just after beholding what we won't either of us be the better for till the day we're waked. But Dad then, that's the same pleasant talk for me to be hearing. "'with the light darkening before me every minute,' said Laurie. "'And so it's waking the old mare. you'll be one of these days,' says you. "'Well, now, I never heard the like of that. "'But, to be sure, I'm not very long in the county Donegal. "'I hope you'll send me word of the burying, for I'll be sorry to miss it,' "'tis the comical notion, if you come here to consider it.' He laughed, upon consideration, with much noise. At any rate, but, as the mare rolled her eyes wildly at him, and Joe only shook his head the more ominously, he withdrew abruptly from their unsympathetic countenances, though he persisted in his guffaw. When he had gone half a dozen yards, he faced round and shouted, Might you happen to know if the Garvey's boat is in yet? Joe, however, was just mounting, and he plunged off at full speed without seeming to hear. Fine floundering and bouncing about he has, and behind him, himself and his old beast, Laurie said with indignation. If I thought the Garveys were like to be stopping out late, I'd leave it till tomorrow and turn back now, but I couldn't tell him I mightn't lose the job altogether with delaying. This was not the risk he chose to run, and he presently reached the entrance of the high-banked winding barine whence he threw a look backwards in hopes that some fellow travellers might be catching him up. Nothing, however, moved in the lonely moorland road behind him except the gallop of Joe Hedigan's horse hurling itself in the wrong direction. So he went forward without the prospect of any company. The silver lane twists through an undulating sea of softly heaped up mounds Scantily clad with bent grass, pale and dry, and dark, harsh-textured furzes. These are rooted in almost pure sand, silvery-hued, yet under strong sunbeams yielding dim golden glimmers that give a faint purple to the shadow in its curves and folds. But the touch of this March evening's twilight left it all cold, white and grey. It lies deep and powdery on the narrow roadway so that a man has not even the sound of his own footsteps to reassure him, should he be disposed to feel lonesome and apprehensive. Larry Behan was feeling both as he passed the second sharp turn of the lane and came to a place where a crevice-like path pierced the sand hill on his left. Here he noticed several huge hoof prints some of them impressed with violence upon the low buttresses and ledges of the banks, which, in the ordinary course of things, no horse would have trodden. Hereabouts it is they seen whatever it was frightened them, he said to himself, and set the mare prancing and dancing. T'was the queer capers she had. Between us and harm, look where she flung straight across the road and scraped herself up again the furze bush, her hair thick on it. He was hastening on, longing and dreading to be round the next corner, when he heard close by a sound, such a homely, commonplace one, that he experienced hardly a moment of panic, before, out of the little by-path, ran a very small boy, swinging a large tin can. As a general rule, Laurie would have seen nothing particularly attractive about the black-headed, bare-footed, Flannel petticoat at Kazoon, and would probably have allowed him to pass on unaccosted, but in the present circumstances, he could have desired no better company for an innocent child is the most officious safeguard possible when uncanny things are about. Another encouraging reflection also occurred to him immediately. Twas that now, and devil a thing else scared the two of them the little brat scouting by clattering as can, and the light's shining off it all of a sudden. Still, this view of the matter, though plausible and rational, was not quite certain enough to justify him in letting slip the chance of an escort, and he therefore set about engaging the child in conversation. He did so rather clumsily, for the lack of familiarity with children's society which would have enabled him to fill up the gap between thirty-odd and five-years-old with appropriate small talk. "'Is it going for water, you was, sonny?' he said. "'She sent me to the well again,' said the gusun, stopping his trot and pointing up the little path to a tangle of briars and long grass in a slight hollow. "'And has it gone dry on you?' said Laurie, looking into the empty can. The reply was turning of it upside down to show a crack that ran for several inches around the bottom rim. I can put the top of my littlest finger right through it, the guzzin said and proved. It won't howl us up at all, and the big jug's broke too. Oh, that's a bad job, said Laurie. There's nothing she can be sending now unless the black kettle itself. That as much as I can do to lift it when it's empty inside, let alone full. It's the size of myself, bedad, averred Laurie's protector. Sure then, she sure couldn't ask you to be currying that. Is it far you come? Laurie inquired with some anxiety. Uh, 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 I don't know, said the cousin. but it's a terrible old beast of a big kettle for always wanting to be filled. I hate the sight of it sitting there in the fire with the dirty old sooty lid trying to lep off it and then herself does be born to me to run out again and bring the water before it's boiled dry. I do be sick and tired of goin' up the lane with a heavy can pullin' out the arm o' me all the way back, fit to destroy me. Tattie Lornigan says it is. And a while ago I was givin' it a couple of clumps again a stone, when I seen a weeny crack comin'. So maybe that's what begin it. But you needn't let on, or I'll be kilt. Sora, supple hold. He dropped some small handfuls of fine sand into the can and holding it up watched the grain sift slowly out. This experiment he repeated more than once and Laurie, albeit in a hurry, looked on with prudent patience but at last he suggested Mightn't she be mad if you're too long delaying? She does be mad most wiles, his companion said Philosophically, and I don't mind much if she wouldn't be sending me back with the ugly old kettle. However, he began to walk on, rattling a couple of cockle shells that had remained in the can. Laurie kept close beside him, and meekly waited when he occasionally stopped to pick up pebbles, or explore rabbit holes, or start sand avalanches and cascades by tugging at the colorless roots of the grasses in the slithery banks. It was a slow progress, and the dusk had grown perceptibly greyer by the time that Laurie emerged from between them. At a place where the road branches, on the right towards Clockrun Beg, on the left towards the great bog of Grealish. "'And what way are you going, Abick Laurie inquired with less anxiety now, having left behind the Silver Lane, which he knew to be the most perilous stage of the journey. The child pointed to a small cabin standing opposite, a stone's throw back from the road. A reply that somewhat surprised Laurie, for even through the gathering dimness the place looked quite wearless and deserted, with rifted roof and rank weeds peering in at frameless windows. She's screeching to me, said the and darted off, making for the door. Laurie heard nothing but the cockle shells clattering in the can. There's no sort of people, he said to himself. We'll be living in the likes of that, unless it was Tinker's stopping a while. But I ne'er see a sign of an ass or a cart in it. Well now, he was the queer little imp, himself in the big kettle. A bit further on, he overtook the widow Nolan, who was going his way. And as they walked together, he casually asked of how the Silver Lane had come by its bad name. Four, he said. Since I'm in this parish, I met with many people that do be afeard of it. What, what's wrong with it? I never happened to hear tell. Sure it was before my time, said Mrs Nolan. There used to be a woman living in the old empty house you seen at the end of it and a little boy belonging to her that she gave bad treatment to. Hunting em off she was continual, to fetching her big cans full of water out of the well up near the far end of the lane that you might have been noticing going by. So, one day she sent him wi a great heavy lump o'a kettle he couldn't rightly lift and, trying to fill it, the crater overbalanced himself and fell in after his head and was got dead drowned. And ever since then, it does be walking there now and again, and folks say there's no worse or bad luck goin' in for a body to see a sight of it, or to so much as hear the clink of the can. Well, man alive, what's to cure all? The Lord of Mercy on me this day," said Laurie, "I'm myself just after walkin' alongside side of it, an' talkin' to it the length of the barin. And thenceforward Neither of them had any breath to spare for conversation, until they at last reached distant, still cruelly distant, beg.